So on today's episode of Before You Kill Yourself, I have Stephanie. Uh, now, where did Bunny come from? My nickname, uh, my yoga bunny has been uh, a brand I used before. And okay. so I went and worked with a trauma recovery yoga teacher here in Las Vegas. Yeah. And um, she couldn't remember my name. She just remembered yoga, bunny. So that kind of stuck for a while. That's a good branding. Mm -hmm. My brother used to call me Stuffle Bunny. And um, that's actually the reason I got into teaching yoga was uh -huh. he passed away from a heroin overdose. Wow. And uh, I was into fitness, yoga, fitness, going to the gym. Yeah. I'd been practicing yoga most of my life at that point, you know, started as a teenager. So when he passed away, I moved to a small town back where we grew up in Pennsylvania. And the only class that I could make really happen was a yin yoga class where I, so I basically, I'll tell you the story. I go there, take the class. It's different than what I'm used to. And afterwards, I was like, what was that? We didn't even move. That was awful. Like, well, that wasn't even yoga. And <laughs> start to realize, I kept going. I was crying. It was awful, but you kept going anyway. I did. I did. My friend who uh, also knew my brother, she was taking me, and we were going together. Yeah. And that was the only class. So I'm okay. like, this weird yoga is better than no yoga. <laughs> but I realized what was happening is healing was starting to happen. Because when we go through trauma, we hold on to the emotions in our body and especially like the deep tissues and the hips. So yin yoga is a practice where you hold these poses three to five minutes. And the teacher, come to find out, lost her son exactly the same time as my brother died. Wow. So she's saying things to heal herself, but also picking up on our energy and not really knowing it. And so I'm crying and processing things and I'm like, wow, there is something to this yoga. So I started, learning how to become a yoga teacher. And after that 200 hours, is how long it takes, I was like, this isn't enough. And I immediately started looking into yoga therapy. I already had a bachelor's degree. So I'm like, well, maybe I could get a master's in psychology and start to see how yoga and therapy go together. And I was at a yoga class and I told my teacher that. And she was like, you don't have to do that. There's a yoga therapy training program about two hours south of here in Pennsylvania. So I looked it up. There were only about 14 schools in the whole world that offered this International Association of Yoga Therapists training. And one of them just so happened to be very close to where I moved to. What is <laughs> yoga therapy? Yes. So when you think of yoga, what, do, what first comes to mind? Movement. Movement. Um, and then, because uh, I, I just, have, I'm, I'm still a newbie to the, to the yoga world. Movement, but then also connection, because um, you know at the end of yoga, most of the time I feel much more centered, grounded, connected, uh, present. There's also a bit of ego. Mm -hmm. If I do hot yoga, I walk out of there like I just did hot yoga. What are you doing with your, you know, right. that kind of. Especially if I do it like 6 a.m., I feel like I'm on top of it. You know, so there's there's a mix of calm, but also like I'm better than you. <laughs> right. Sometimes. I think that here in um, America, we have this view that yoga is for flexible people who are fit and they've got their lives together and they can afford $200 yoga pants and <laughs> things like that. Like that's what most people think yoga is. Right. So when I bring yoga therapy to people, I get resistance right away. Like I can't do yoga. Okay. 
maybe you can't do some asana, because asana is actually the poses. Whereas yoga itself has eight branches of philosophy, let's say. So just asana, poses, is one of those eight branches. Breathing is another one, pranayama. Meditation, and then there's things that you observe and avoid. So practices, being honest, uh, being not self-centered, being having service, giving service. These are all yoga. So you can actually never even move your body and still be practicing yoga. And that's what yoga therapy is. It's exploring these other ways to bring healing to people, and it connects the medical world with these ancient traditions. Wait, I'm sorry. Can you go through the yes. eight again? <laughs> yes. I, I would like to. Okay, so let's see if I get it all straight. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, you have asana, which are the poses. Okay. You have breathing, pranayama. So when you think of chi, the energy force, deep breathing, it's we all breathe. It's something that's automatic. But when you are breathing mindfully, that's pranayama. Yeah, because most people breathe into their diaphragm versus into their belly like a baby. And it's so hard to teach people how to breathe into their belly. And what happens is when you have trauma, most of the time, your nervous system starts to live in a constant state of panic. And your breathing becomes shallow and you're breathing up into your chest and shoulders. But when you go to sleep, everything kind of resets itself. So it's just so interesting. So it's like, where is this trauma being held? Is it the body? Is it the mind? Is it some combination of that? So through practicing mindful breathing, intentionally sending the breath to the belly, you can get out of these panicked states. So that's another aspect that yoga therapy, you know, why breathing is important. And then getting back to your question, we have yamas and niyamas, which are avoidances and practices, observations. So that's those cleanliness, the truthfulness, um, self-study. There's 10 of those total. So we could go, I'm actually writing books about this, all this to break it down for mostly kids or picture books, but we're all kids inside. So it helps people also connect these characters to these deep concepts that are like, not something that we talk about in our society of consume, consume, hate yourself so you consume some more. Yeah, it's true because when I when I feel connected to breath, connected to self, uh, th- there are no desires that exist there. You know the uh, you know it's like if if I start watching net, I just cancel my Netflix. It's like if I watch one show, it's like now I got to watch ten shows. And it's, uh, it's almost like an addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've all been down the YouTube wormhole. And and then at, at some point you watch something that makes you catch your breath and then it snaps you out of it. It's like you don't realize you're in this trans state of desire, wanting, needing, um, instead of being centered and grounded to your breath. Yes. So, so then uh, the others, so we got through four so far. Yep. Uh, meditation. And then the last two are m- different forms of meditation, in my mind. They're deeper states of meditation. How so? Wait, wait. so you have regular, what pe- you know, the basic meditation. You go in for a few minutes, you're mindful. The goal is not to maybe completely erase thoughts, but to create space in the time between thoughts to calm your mind. And they have lots of now medical evidence that supports how beneficial this is for your mind, your body, 
aging process. So there's that meditation. But then you can surrender even deeper to your higher self, which you mentioned kind of like letting go of that ego. So we have this earthly self, this ego-driven self, which is probably based out of evolution and survival. And, you know, you have to be the, the best and the strongest to survive. But we also start to see through yoga that there's an illusion there. We've got this veil that kind of hides something deeper. And through yoga, in my opinion, it's connecting you to a higher state of consciousness. So that's the namaste. When we say, I see this light inside of you, I recognize that light as also being inside of me. And it's through that light where we're all one and we're all connected. And that's that deeper meditation, that surrender to something more where we can, you know, have you ever had a thought about someone and then they called you? Absolutely. <laughs> it happens all the time. Right. Um, or I'll find that, like, I'll be talking to someone and uh, I'll be like, you know, I was thinking about you. Such a, they were like, I was thinking about you at that, and, you know, and, and for some whatever reason, we just never connect. We got in our own way or in our own heads and didn't connect. Can you go back and talk yes. to... Um, how meditation um, creates space because um, you talk about creating space and and I think that's important because it's a suicide prevention podcast and um, a lot of people who've attempted you know if they've survived realize that they wanted to live and they, they didn't want to jump but they for, didn't have that space they didn't create that space to catch themselves or, or nothing snapped them out of the, right. the trance. Can you talk to us about creating space? Yeah, and I, I, I think that in order to understand space, I want to bring in the five elements because the That's space is one of them. Beautiful. So you have akasha, which is space in Sanskrit. Then you have air. You have, that's vayu. You have fire, agni. Jala, water, and prithvi, earth. So it's these five elements that we have in all of us. They surround us. Everything is made out of this. We don't, we ignore space. So many times I see different teachings that talk about the four elements. You know, you've got the fire, the earth, the water, the air. But that space, that's, I believe, where the magic happens. It's yeah, we have space between each cell in our body. There's space, outer space. When you pray, most people look up to space. So that could be where this magic power is, the force, if you will, this other thing. So it's interesting that when you say people have these near-death experiences, most of the time they say, I saw God or I saw some higher power. That's that space. You know, they paused long enough to connect to that maybe. And, um, yeah, through working with people with mental health, I mean, we all, I think, have some sort of mental health imbalance or, I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect wholeness. I mean, that's, that's the goal, I guess, through yoga, to surrender, to be part of that higher consciousness. I mean, if you think about enlightenment, Buddha, you know, surrendering to all that. So we're human. This is what we're supposed to be doing, figuring it all out. And it's about that journey. So through helping people with that, you know, breathing, creating that space, meditation, moving the body, getting the traumas out of the body, all of that is yoga therapy. 
what you, you said we all struggle with it what's been yeah. your struggle with the mental health aspect yes so as i mentioned my brother died of a heroin overdose that was in 2012 so addiction is something that's been in my family and they say that traumas and memories are passed down through generations. So if you look at my parents, grandparents, and so on, there's a lot of alcohol and different kinds of addictions. So for me, I didn't necessarily become addicted to drugs or alcohol, but it was the dopamine hit of being in love. And if you look back at how little girls, especially in the late you know, 80s and so on, that was a huge conditioning, like watching all these princess movies, you're supposed to be saved. Uh, if you kind of look at history a little bit, you had the 60s, women started to get a little bit, or even back to the 40s, women were working and bringing home, holding down this home front. And then in the 60s, you had taking off your bras and burning them. And so every kind of movement has a little bit of a backlash. Um, right, yes. So when for me, it was, yeah, all of this romance, Romeo and Juliet, uh, <laughs> like all of that. And because of abuse in maybe my mother not knowing exactly how to be the best parent because of her own abuse, and then my dad being away, and then when he was home, it was a violent, obvious abuse. So there's more subtle abuses. There's you know, more obvious abuse. And subconsciously, most people start to then take on those characteristics or seek out those characteristics when they're dating. And I would get into, if it, if it was a healthy person, let's say, I'd scare them off right away. This is too much love. I don't need to be loved this much. If it was a narcissistic, <laughs> abusive person, they're like, oh, wonderful. Here's my next target that I can start to isolate her from the people she cares about and care about her and then hide her away and then slowly beat her up or slowly take her happiness away and then she'll just do whatever I want. And that was a pattern that I'd have many, many times. So when things finally exploded, the person broke my wrist or you know, beat me up to a point where, okay, this I've had enough. I just get right back into something else that wasn't healthy. And it wasn't even until I realized that was an addiction itself, that you could be addicted to people, that I was like, oh, that's what I'm doing. So I took a step back <laughs> and was like, all right, I'm going to just focus on myself. It's kind of scary to be dating right now because once things start to go right in my life, that's when they start to go bad also. So I've been on this healing journey for a while now. and. I'm not saying I'm perfect. We all relapse. You know, I started to date someone and then right away started going down that same behaviors. But this time was like, okay, I'm going through these behaviors. Why am I going through these behaviors? Oh, you have, you're getting a hit of dopamine every time you look at his picture on Instagram or every time he sends you a text message, makes you happy. So you're not really in love with this person. In fact, there's so many things about this person that you know you don't want but you want attention and you want to feel loved because of brokenness that you feel. And it really all comes down to self-love and finding something in yourself that's worth doing. So your passion, your mission to help other people maybe, or make art or whatever it is, most people have some sort of calling and they were convinced by 
maybe capitalism that they needed to work in other areas Absolutely. and that wasn't as as important so that's where i'm at now is sharing whatever message i'm getting through the universe and i like to make art so i like to take this lens that i see things in and write about it for a child or write a song or make a movie, whatever it is, to kind of take what I've learned to share so that we know that there is a, a light inside all of us. And even if we pray to a different religion, it's still that same light, that same higher power. You know, there's so many things in what you said is beautiful and fascinating. And, and one of the things is that I think we get so caught up in trying to help ourselves, this whole self-help, blah, 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 that it's it's probably more important to share yourself, right? Yes. To share your story so that you can help a younger generation. That's why you're writing the children's books and stuff. Uh, navigate and get past um, some of the obstacles that, that they may uh, relate to you about and be like, oh, that's what I'm struggling right. with. And, and so here's how she overcame it. Here's how I can overcome it. Or at least, at the very least, help people feel like they're not alone in their journey and they're not the only, because it's so weird. There's six billion people on this planet and for some reason we all still think we're the only ones going through what we're going through. Like clearly nobody else has been abused. Nobody else has suffered trauma or a loss or, or heartbreak or um, I'm becoming like my mother, yes. you know, <laughs> like, like we're the only ones doing that. And we feel like that because to, to tap into something else you said that, you know, you talked about how when you're with a narcissist, you know, they, they're, they're or an abusive person, you know, their first step is to isolate you, yes. right? So then they can abuse you and, 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 can, and manipulate you and do what they want. And I see media doing the same thing, right? It's like, really, if you look at, like, a Netflix or, like, they're, they're trying to keep you at home mm -hmm. by yourself so that you never... I have a friend who uh, worked at Netflix, and I asked her, I said, uh, what is Netflix's competition? Like, who are they competing against? And she said, sleep. Wow. And that is such a powerful statement that sleep is the competition for Netflix and and so and it's true because I'm uh, I mean even with YouTube I find myself I'm getting that hip, hit of dopamine right. every time a, a new video hey if you like this maybe you like I'm like oh god yeah yes. yeah and uh, we start to to quote unquote fall in love with that and we, oh I love Netflix I love binge. it's like the celebrities on Instagram absolutely that we yes. absolutely so you know we we've created this culture of isolation uh, for efficiency. Oh, it's the movies are too far. We should just stay in. Uh, why go get a meal when I can order a meal? And as you isolate yourself more, then the media, the news, the pot, like all this stuff can control the message that you're receiving and and inform you in a way that right. has you buying into the system. Working with people with degenerative diseases and cancer, besides all of the the yoga, the diet, the things that you think of, 
having a connection with the other people that are going through it. So when we do a class for, let's say, MS, right beforehand, while I'm setting up the class, we give people space in another room to chat about whatever they're going through, and that's just as healing for them as the, the practice itself. It's about all of that together, the community. Music, going to see live music, I think it's more fun when you get to participate. So even if it's no one special, if you're just hanging out with friends, playing the drums, or I feel so alive in my soul versus when I go see someone sing to themselves with their eyes closed and you're just, you know, again, that's that admiration for them. But I like to be a part of it. And I've found also that that's another part of yoga. That's called bhakti yoga. That's celebrating God through music. It's celebrating this connectiveness and people sing together and there's someone will sing and then you chant it back call and response wow. and yeah it's really fun too there is because we're tribal we're a tribal yes. species we're meant to <laughs> to move in groups and and I, I think at some point the lone wolf uh you know was mythologized of uh and and, and the self-made man and i could do this mm. myself kind of thing and but uh it's like yeah, you could do it yourself, but it's so much more fun. Like I went to the movies the other day, and, uh, and it's because I canceled my. I was like, <laughs> oh, I got, I love movies, so I went. And I, the reason why I stopped going was because I'm like, people talk, so I was blah blah blah. But you also get a story from it because I had this this lady was on her cell phone, uh, a row in front of me, uh, but like three people down to my left, and it was driving me nuts. Because it's not like she pulled out the text. She was full-blown doing this full back and forth. <laughs> and I'm like, why isn't nobody saying anything to her? It's like, because we're all isolated. We're afraid. We don't mm -hmm. know how to talk to each other anymore. So I was like, oh, God, now I got to be the angry black guy <laughs> to, like, reach over and say something. So finally, I reach over to tap her on the shoulder, and I knock the guy's beer oh. out of the armrest that was next to me. And it spilled all over him. And... Uh, tapped her on the shoulder. It didn't stop me from telling her to get <laughs> off her cell phone. But now he's soaked. And I go, she owes you a beer. Oh boy. <laughs> and, but my point is, is that we stay home to avoid these awkward situations. But it's those awkward, weird, dumb, silly situations that make going out worth it. Those, those moments that you didn't plan for, the unanticipated, the accidents, the, the, um, the spills, the the annoyances, but also the laughs. Because then you, we were laughing about it at the end of the movie. It's like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know, in the moment. But if you stayed at home, nothing special happens, yeah. you know. So definitely be connected. What's your children's book about? And uh, So I started really enjoying those yamas and niyamas I, yeah. I told you about. I'm like, this is great. Like, it's a way of bringing in um, – observation, you know, truthfulness. Oh, here's the thing. They say there's like a bit of an order to it. And the very first one is non-harming. And the second one is truthfulness. Where to me growing up, I always felt like honesty is the most important thing. If you lie to me, I'll never forgive you. Like, I don't care what you do. As long as you tell me about it, I will f be able to forgive you and understand where you're coming from. And so it was hard at first for me to even understand how harm, non-harming or living with a heart-centered approach is before truthfulness. Um, but it started to make more sense eventually. It's like, okay, maybe to protect someone, 
if they're fragile? And if you tell this, this one little truth, is it really going to help them right now? Maybe just let it go. Maybe just stay back and let things happen naturally. Wow. Um, and it was that that I was like, okay, I want to share this. But then I felt like that would be starting in the, be in the middle. Mm -hmm. So I went back. So the first book is about the five elements. So I'm like, let's look at these foundations set up first. So those five elements, again, that I talked about, the space, air, fire, water, and earth. So the first book is called The Five Great Elements. And it's yoga philosophy for young hearts. So then the second book is about their children, in a sense, the doshas. So it's called Meet the Doshas. And in Ayurveda, that's a philosophy that it's like a fingerprint. You, everybody has their own certain combination of these elements in our body. My combination of elements is more fire, more water. And people with that are more passionate, more creative. They're the doers. They can take an idea and make it happen. They're your entrepreneurs. Uh, but we all have all still the others. So most people think that that has something to do with astrology. Okay. But it really, I don't, I don't find that connection necessarily. I'm a cancer. Okay. But it, I think it's more to do with something else, like the actual, your actual DNA combination versus your birth chart, which is something, I think it's something no, else. No, that, you know, that makes <laughs> sense. My buddy who was in spa treatment, uh, he went to a spa and they had a cold therapy and a hot therapy. And it was based on how you ran. You know, like I realize I run more, I prefer cold therapy, but he runs hot. So I think he had cold, like I, I run warm, so I need cold therapy. Yes. And then he ran hot, so he needed uh Wait, did I say that right? I think so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he, ran, he ran hot, so he needed cold. He need, you need the opposite to kind of balance you out. So it sounds like that's what you're yeah. alluding to. And then, so that's, Pitta is this combination of fire and water, this go-getter person. And then you have Vata and Kapha. So a Vata person, is their main combination is air and space. So they tend to be very slender, can't really hold on to too much. They're going, going, going. You think of like airheads, for example. Oh, wow. Someone who's, that's a lot of air. Yeah. Spacey, that's another nickname for those type of people. They're beautiful, creative people. Things come straight to them, and then it goes right away. So in my story, you have this Vata person. It's actually bunnies. The, all the characters are bunnies okay. in the second book. And so you've got this Vata bunny, and she's got these great ideas, but she can't seem to focus on any. She's got just so many running around. So she her, her friend is a pitta. So they kind of team up together, and it's through this person has this fire, this business perspective where they're starting to make things happen. And then the third is the kapha, the homely person, the person that might not move too far out of their town. They might grow up and stay in the same town. Very family-oriented, very loving, very grounded. That's the earth and the water. So most of my best friends are that type of person because I am this fiery person. I need a balance. I need a, a home base to come back to. Right. And um, in the story, that's kind of what happens. The 
the homely person has all these connections and friends and they get the word out and kind of make things happen in that sense. So Th That's valuable because it, it, it's it, cause also what I hear you speaking to is that we need people who are different around us and instead of making trying to make everybody the same and we, if I'm doing this you should do that right. it's like is you need fire we need to we need all the different elements to balance this out and the same thing in your relationships yeah. you know people are so quick to exclude people for thinking differently than them or acting differently but you need that diversity so that as a whole you all can grow and feed each other right and you know looking at someone's strengths rather than like all right I, I fault you for for being such a lazy person, right. for example. Like, all right, maybe you're feeling a little lazy, so maybe I'm the person that's gonna come here and say, all right, let's get you moving today. But there's nothing wrong with that because sometimes you need to be grounded and balanced. So like looking at each other and saying that we're all who we are yes. and we're perfect with all of our brokenness. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, because you know, my friends are different and as, I get, as I've gotten older, I realize, oh, call this friend when I need this. Mm -hmm. When I need fire, <laughs> when I need air, I'll call that friend. When I need water, I'll call yes. that. Instead of wanting them all to be one element, it's like, oh, no, there are uses, and you just have to be aware of, you know, exactly. of your exposure to that and, right. and how it affects you. Yes, and so then through Ayurveda, the foods that you eat also, that's where that comes in, this the Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga. Okay. It's the the food that you eat and things like that. It's actually like, like a health science type practice. So you can start to notice I'm a fiery person. And in the summertime, if I eat too much like hot foods, spicy foods, I sweat more. I get maybe a little bit short-tempered, like angry. It's a lot of fire happening. Uh, contrary if it's a very vata person, that skinny person, and it's winter, and they're maybe got a, something about body image, so they want to lose weight even though they're very skinny, and they're drinking cold green smoothies and not eating warm, hearty meals, and they're wondering why they're very anxious and unable to sleep and things like that. It's Whoa. Yes. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> I'm super fascinated. The How do you... Oh. So, so you're... Where you are could also det be determined by the time of year. Yes. Also. Yes. Can you can you explain that a bit? So more? the seasons also go into this and affect this. So we have the elements uh, in the summer are more fiery, and the elements in the winter are more cold and airy. So it's always looking at that balance of where you are, where you live, what's going on your energy like levels too you've got like this active energy and then you've got a very calm lazy energy and then there's something in the middle where you just are so it's all of these different things that tie into it and that's why i guess it takes a lot longer than a 200 hour yoga teacher training to understand this and that's why we have yoga therapy schools and ayurveda trainings and this and that so someone who runs, let's take someone who runs cold, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the winter time. So they're cold, it's cold, they should be eating warm foods. Yes. Right? Somebody who runs hot in the summertime should be eating colder foods right. or at least room temperature. Right. And the thing is, what we tend to want and crave are our comfort things that we're already we already have. So, you know, most people that are already hot, they love the spicy foods. And it's kind of going back to that addiction. 
And it's the thing that we need the, the most that we sometimes try to avoid the most. I know that when I don't want to do yoga, I don't want to go to yoga, I don't want to look at my mat, that's when I'm really, really hyper. And that yoga, if I just sat down and tried to do it for a little bit, would be the thing that I needed to feel better. But instead, you drink more coffee. You're feeling agitated, so you drink more coffee. And you do these other practices that are taking you further down that kind of spiraling yeah, we, we do that, right? Yes. It's like if I'm sad, <laughs> somehow we go, well, I want to feel sadder. So then I put on more sad music. Yes. And then I watch a sad movie. And then I'm like, well, is it taking me? And then, but, but also when I'm like excited and hyper, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, caffeine, stay up <laughs> late. I love this feeling. Yes. And, and that's exactly like when you notice that, that's exactly <laughs> when you're like, oh, I need to get back to zero mm -hmm. before this gets out of control. Um, what can can we go back to space for a second? Yes. Because you talked about you know when we pray we look up and in the in the stars and can you talk to us more about the importance of recognizing space and what that what that looks like practically like how do I how do I honor that more? Yeah, I remember when my son was little. He's ten now. When he was younger, I think maybe about three or four. He was hanging out with his friend cousins, we call them. Um, they're not really cousins, but, you know, gotcha. they're my friends, and we're all friends, so friend cousins. And they're all sitting down, and the boys are meditating. They're sitting cross-legged. They've got their fingers, thumb and first finger touching, and their eyes are closed. And one boy says, points up and says, we're praying to God, and points up. And my son says, God's not up there. And he puts his hand on his chest. He's in your heart. And so I think that when we start to remember that all we have to do is close our eyes and look inward, that we have a straight connection to a higher power as long as we can close off what's going on around us. So yes, that space, when you maybe have a goal that you're working on, um, finding time to sit down and think about it or not think about it and let thoughts kind of come through as they do. Uh, one of my favorite events is going to sound healing activities where you lay down and the facilitators play singing bowls, different instruments, they sing, and you just lay there. And the vibrations, that's the space. It's going through the space and the air. And different frequencies heal different parts of our body. And this is all really fascinating too. The now there's people that study this and how this frequency, when you mix it with this type of beat, controls this and it's very cool too. So I think when you're laying there and you're not trying to control your thoughts, you're just being open to messages. And then after these sessions, people kind of share if they want to what happened. It's always very fascinating and somehow connected. Like when someone shares and it's like, oh, I, I forgot that, actually. I was thinking about something similar. What you said reminded me of this. And the sharing, again, comes back to how we are all connected and, and that something is in the space. Something is happening. So that I, I like to call it God, but you call it source or energy or universe or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, because I've done a sound bath before, and a, a lot of things uh, come up. And you're like, oh, I didn't notice that before, or I thought I let that go, mm. or, um, or you you get uh, insight on yeah. 
something you go, oh, that's what that was about, you know. Uh, but I definitely, it, it's, it's, uh, it was enlightening, and it, you felt lighter afterwards, and the energy in the room was so different. You know, I recommend anybody who's listening to check out a sound bath if you can. But there are also apps that have, uh, you know, I use Insight Timer Me too, yes. to <laughs> meditate, and they have sound bowls and uh, uh, sound guided meditations uh, on there. Um, or just going out to the beach and listening to the ocean, mm-hmm. you know, the sound of nature. Uh, what, so you talk about uh, sound healing, uh, breath work. Are, what are other, and closing your eyes to sit in, are there other ways that we can create space between thought and, and stimulus? Yes, there's so many different types of meditations. Um, and to call them just, just call them meditations. But then as someone who's training more, you know, people ask, what type of yoga do you do? It's like, how much time do you have? <laughs> well, it's, like, it's like my friend who does massage. What type of massage do you? Well, I'm trained in this and this and this, but why don't you just let, like, put, put my hands on you so you can just see what I do, you know? Right. It's, it's that. So there's yoga nidra, which is a type of where you lay down starting with observing the body, this part of the body, and then observing the breath, and then getting into whatever layer. There's different layers. But then the third layer of energy, and then a deeper layer of energy, and then something more. So there's those kind of things. There's inner dance, which is another thing where a facilitator, most of these you're laying down. You're not doing anything. The facilitator is playing different types of music, using their energy callings to maybe look at you or maybe just feel your energy and take you on a journey too. So similar to sound healing and similar to yoga nidra, but it's also something different too. Um, There's so many different types of, let's say, meditations, but they're different processes. And um, uh, there's not just one. I think, you know, if you try this or try that, and depending on how you're feeling that day, you know, I still get panic attacks. And... The last thing I want to do is, the, like I said, the thing I should be doing, lay down and listen to one of these things. So there's different times for this and that. Um, you know, laying down might be the hardest thing to do. So maybe you do have to try to do something else, like go for a run or something that's going to meet you where you are. And then once you're calmed down a little bit, okay, maybe I should go try to meditate. So fitness is great. Sometimes I'll just go for a run if I'm feeling like I'm going to, scream (laughs) 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 or want to you know do something that I know I I don't really want to do so okay have a plan yeah take a take a moment if you know that you're the type of person who gets suicidal thoughts have a plan if you have people that you that depend on you like let's say children make sure that you know somebody who you trust that you can call on to be like hey I'm feeling this way today Maybe you could take the kids, I'm going to go for a run, or I'm going to go to a yoga class, or get a massage, or whatever it is that you decided that you have to do in that moment. So it's not about healing maybe altogether and saying, I'm never going to have another suicidal thought, I'm never going to have another panic attack. But it's saying, okay, if I do, how can I make sure that I'm safe, the people I love are safe, and we can then make time or create space between those suicidal thoughts. And the time between that gets longer and longer. And we have more periods of balance. 
Absolutely, I love that uh, of having of, of instead of you know because there's so many books and uh, articles talk about uh, how to get rid of anxiety or how to be fearless, and it's like no, I don't, I don't want to get rid of those things because those things are useful mm -hmm. to me. I need some anxiety. I need some fear. Um, even my suicidal thoughts, um, I find valuable because they make me reassess what, what I've been doing, all right? And meaning, like, if I start to, to think it or feel it, I go, oh, have I been journaling? Have I been exercising? I, like, I, I click through my progressions. That's what I call them. I go, have I journaled, exercised, read, meditate, self-talk? And if I'm missing one of those, I go, well, let me go do that thing. Exactly. And then check back in. You know, sometimes I'm missing. I go, well, I haven't done all three. I, I haven't been outside. I haven't gotten vitamin. Like, there are all these things that I go, I know would make me feel better. And if I don't do those things and, and take care of myself, then, it, you know, it's, it's not, oh, I, oh, I've been watching. I watched two episodes of Walking Dead. Of course. <laughs> Like I got a, <laughs> I got a right. nihilistic view of the world. <laughs> yes, what you, what you feed your mind Absolutely. also affects you. Yeah, that energy. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I recently stopped. I read this book, uh, Power Versus Force, by I it's a doctor. I forget his name, but he was talking about how different things have different energy fields. You know, from rap music to classical music to certain types of TV shows, things like that. And it's made me more conscious of how those things affect my energy. You know, if I'm watching, I used to watch a lot of crime shows. Mm -hmm. I, I, that didn't make me feel good after. I didn't want to share that with anybody. But if I watch a documentary, I feel like I've learned something. I get a dopamine hit because I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I'm excited because I, I've learned something that I then want to share and can share with others. There's nothing I can share after I watch Law and Order or any of these, you know, crimes. You yes. know, you just want to stay in your house afterwards. That brings me to this this other thought I've been having. So I work at a mental health facility, a behavioral health facility, yes. and I teach yoga therapy there. And sometimes I just want to like take the whole place and shake it up and be like, what are we doing? We're feeding them this food that's horrible. You've got criminal minds on the TV oh, in the yeah. day room. You know, you're, you're basically isolating these people, putting them full of drugs um, and, and disconnecting them even further. Yeah. And it's like, yes, there's some times where that helps. But most of the time, if that person would have just been able to take a break and step back from their life so they have enough time to, s to step back out of that desire to, s to survive, you know, maybe they're in an abusive relationship and they're not even realizing what's happening until they get that step back and you're in a, a facility for five days and you're not near that person, you're like, oh, I started to feel myself again. They weren't, they weren't there constantly in my head. I was able to hear myself again. Or taking a step back away from a job. Let's say they're super, super stressed out in their job and then end up in this mental health facility and they're like, you know what? I don't need this job. <laughs> now that I'm here, I've got, a, uh, I've got a, some insight that, you know, I don't really need that money to work. I can get disability for this or I could do this or that and then follow what I really want to do. So maybe it's just taking a step back. So maybe you don't have to be in a mental health facility. Maybe you can go on a five-day retreat that's more holistic and healing. And if insurance covered it, wouldn't that be wonderful? Right, right. Yeah.
<laughs> and, and, you know, and I know a lot of people don't have insurance or can't afford it. it. It doesn't have to be as much as a five-day retreat. It could even be a, a one-hour walk. Right. Leave your cell phone at home. Leave your leave your headphones. Exactly. I see so many people, and I mean, I'm guilty of this. I go <laughs> hiking with my headphones. Um, but the, when I when I go hiking without anything on me, then I, I'm, I, I get grounded a lot quicker. The clarity seeps in a lot faster. And, uh, and I feel so much more renewed, recharged, and, and nourished after I come back from that hike mm -hmm. versus uh, taking my headphones and listening to music or a podcast or something like that. Unless if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> take this podcast with you on your hike. But uh, <laughs> do you have a daily routine, Stephanie? I do you have a, or a morning routine? I like to, but then again, it falls away and it comes back. And I have noticed some progress when I first started meditating, let's say this was me three years ago, and I'd, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take one of those Deepak Chopra um, 21 day meditation challenges. And the first time I did it, I think they're about 20 minutes, and the last 10 it's silent and you're repeating a mantra in your mind. It seemed like hours. <laughs> it seemed like it was so long, like, is this ever going to end? Well, I can't sit still. You know, you've got all these thoughts in your mind, where now that I could be sitting there for two hours and not even realize th that it was that I was doing something. Wow. Um, so I think that little progress over time is helpful. But what I like to do is wake up before. So my dosha, again, coming back to your dosha, that also kind of can tell you what's a better time to go to bed, what's a better time to wake up, and this and that. So for me, to wake up between 4 and 6 a.m., I found is the best. So I like to wake up about 444 because I like numbers. So that gives me time to go to the bathroom. I light a candle. I like to have like a little altar so that all the elements are on there. I get a fresh cup of water, lighted incense, or sometimes a, a feather will work for air. Have a little bell I ring. There's little crystals and things like that, a plant. So having all the elements in there, that connects me to that. Uh, I'm all right, this is my space. This is wh where I'm going. So just like flossing your teeth, you should yeah. do that every day. Connect to your higher self every day. Like check in. If you want to ask for the energy of the universe to, you know, be on your side. So it's, it's kind of like whatever your goal is today, may I have the power to at least be a light for somebody else so that you know, your light can shine through me. May I ask that today, if nothing else? So I like to do that, just at least check in. And if I'm working on something, kind of like open up to that. Like, all right, close my eyes. Oh, you have that project you, you've been wanting to do. Maybe you should work on that a little bit today. And it's not about getting everything done at once, but like even if I work on it for five minutes, that's some progress. Right, right. So having little check-ins, um, there's also different weird Ayurveda things that you could do, like tongue scraping. And so there's like a copper U-shaped uh, thing, and it scrapes this like film off your tongue, and it's said to help clear out different organs and this and that. So there's little weird things, but they're not that weird once you start to do them. Right. Using a neti pot is another thing I like to do a couple times, maybe once a week or so. Well, uh, what does that do? So I have allergies. Um, and living here in the desert, you know, your nose gets very dry, pollen. So what it does, or I was starting to feel sick. This is the most recent story. I started to get that, that sore throat. 
and my nose, and I use the neti pot. You have to use bottled water or sterilized water, not tap water. Lanao people, I tell them, they're like, oh, but that person died, someone died. Well, they were using the water that wasn't clean. It had an amoeba in it or something uh, got in their brain. Gotcha. So yes, you do have to know like what you're doing and have someone maybe that's trained in this kind of guide you through it or read up on it. I mean, the internet has very great resources too. So just follow that. But anyway, using like a bottled water, there's a Himalayan salt that you mix in it. So you mix the salty water in a special pot that's got a longer, like a teapot, but a longer nozzle. And you pour it in one side of your nose and it rinses the everything out. And you can see like, you know, chunks of mucus. And it was like, oh, that's that. That was that cold, that sickness. Wow. I just washed, washed it out of my face. Yeah. And then you fill it up again and do the other side. And with the, the combination of the salt to tr dry out everything, and then you physically flushed it out. Um, so, yeah, it's a weird practice. And not a lot of people are going to be like, I'm just going to go right and do that. I'll, I'd rather just take a pill or, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, I guess, is again that self-sacrifice, self-discipline. Um, but once you do it, it's it's nothing. It's like, oh, what was I so afraid of, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, there's so many natural, cheap ways to take care of ourselves that we're not that we feel like we got to spend all this money or go to big pharma or go to our doctor or uh, do these insane things. And like you said, it's about doing little things every day. Yeah. You know, you don't have to meditate for an hour every day but if you if a minute a day <laughs> is all fine yeah but because that's a minute that you weren't doing a day before and over time compound interest is going to build up and then your body will start craving it you know you start to crave like I, I never used to take a bath and now my body's like we need a bath and i'm like all right let's take a bath <laughs> get in there all yeah. right we'll soak a little bit you know yeah but you, you start to crave self-care versus uh, looking at it as being selfish or I don't have the time or it's, you know, wh whatever, whatever story you're telling yourself. Going back to your panic attacks, mm. are, there, um, are there certain things that you do you recognize that can trigger panic attacks for yourself? Um, probably certain people. So you can't always, you know, there's, I think, a big trend right now. Cut all the toxic people out of your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, sometimes you can't do that because maybe you share custody of a child with that person and mm -hmm. you have to have, oh, gotcha. have to have someone in your life. Or, you know, they're a family member. or So maybe limiting the amount of phone calls that you have with that person or the way that you interact with them. If mm -hmm. you know that they're going to trigger you when you talk to them, Sending only text messages is fine. Or why? You know, wh if you don't, if everything's set up, why push that button? Absolutely. So, yes, yeah, sometimes talking to somebody that will trigger me. Um, <laughs> traffic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> traffic is another I th one. I think we're all on board yeah, with that. Yeah. So <laughs> having like a, a okay, really, is it going to matter if I get home 10 minutes later today? Yeah. No, right. it's not. So I'm just going to enjoy my time in the car and let that person speed past me and I'll wave at them as they flip me off. Like, I'm okay. You're not going to steal my happiness right now. But we don't always, it doesn't always happen that way. And I think, yeah, so waiting, something that's something that kind of can trigger it a little bit. Like, okay, this person said they were going to meet me at this time <laughs> with my daughter and now they're not here. And, and so I already know that person's triggered me and the time issue and, so those are things that, yeah. Um, so how have yeah. you learned to uh, 
let go. Uh, well, I guess right. once you're in a, a panic attack, right? How have you learned to uh, navigate your way through a panic attack? It's not always easy because as a person who's supposed to, <laughs> like, you're supposed to know what to do, it's like, all right, anyone I'm going to reach out to is just going to tell me to breathe or tell me to do things. Go listen. Have you tried this yoga? Yes. You know, I know about it. I don't want to do that right now. So it's going to depend on each time of day or whatever. But remembering, maybe let go of that ego. Yeah. All right. I'll t try to take a breath. I like oils, like the essential oils. So if I'm trying to not have a panic attack, I'll grab my the, my favorite oil, like a citrus. Ah, taking that breath. It's just like why people smoke cigarettes, they get, they get that big breath. You take a breath of essential oils. And that's, again, forcing you to remember to breathe. And um, so breathing, <laughs> but instead of, okay, I got to tell myself to breathe. No, I'm doing it in a way that's pleasure because I like the smell. Right. Um, music, music is great. Being by myself, like I, I already know I'm about to freak out. I don't really want to direct my anger towards you because I probably will. So I'm going <laughs> to step away and be by myself and maybe sing like yeah. put on YouTube like a you uh, what do you call it? karaoke on YouTube and sing or you know whatever it is go for a run go for a run is probably the fastest and easiest thing to do really yeah. and I like to time myself okay I've been running about nine minutes and now I start to feel like myself again and I'll like check and see all right but each time like how long did it take me this time to, to feel, feel like yourself yeah. again <laughs> wow that's a beautiful thing it, it's true. Um, because I, I did a podcast before this, or recorded one before this, and I was like, all right, I have 45 minutes, and I know I get um, uh, not claustrophobic, but uh, I forget what, cabin fever, if I'm, if I'm in a room for too long and I'm not moving. So I was like, all right, I, I, so I, I ran outside, got some fresh air, and it came back in, and then I did a quick workout and took a shower and was dancing and had music going. Because I, I knew that although I was in a good space, that I may not stay in a good space throughout the podcast. <laughs> so I had to preemptive strike. I had to anticipate that I might feel a little anxious or not connected to myself and not present. So, you know, so for the people out there, it's like, you know, if you know you get panic attacks and you know you get anxious, you know, to uh, preempt that right. with that's why it's so important to take care of yourself first thing in the morning. Even though it sounds selfish, yep. but you have to ground yourself so that you can be present for the rest of your day and the people in your life and the work you have to exactly, do. Exactly, because then you're, you, maybe you did it that day, so you feel great. So then the next day you're like, I feel great. I don't need to do my self-care. That's what happens. <laughs> That's what happens. Yes. What, uh, are there any, uh, two, two, uh, three last questions. One is, do you have a, a bedtime routine? Um, I would like to. <laughs> right now, you just you have two kids, so you're right, probably just crashing exactly. at the end of the night. It's like, <laughs> go, go to sleep so that I can go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so more, I, I like to go to bed at a, at a time that allows me to wake up at a certain time. Okay. And, you know, it doesn't always happen, and that's right. okay. That's the other thing. Don't beat yourself up when things don't, you're not doing the things that you said you were going to do, yeah. and you fall back to your old patterns. Self-love is about the voice inside your head. It shouldn't be this nasty 
self-slandering voice. It really should be your cheerleader, the positive yeah. voice. So when you don't do it, don't feel bad. So I'm not going to feel bad <laughs> for telling you that I don't, you know, do the things I should be doing, but or I want to be doing because yeah, the kids and then all right, I'm just going to go to bed. But if I had the space and time to do it, I would. So light stretching is probably a good thing, oh, but so good. Oh, I, sometimes if I can't sleep, putting on a, a yoga nidra is something great. Yeah. And then making sure, if it's on YouTube, to turn off the ads or the autoplay. Because oh, yeah. I had that happen where I fell into a great <laughs> sleep. And then, a, oh, the next video <laughs> came on and woke me right up. So Insight Timer is nice for that. Because yeah. once it ends, then it just kind of ends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so those are, are good, yeah. Are there any... Uh, books that you that you uh have read that have uh that have been powerful that you've reread or shared or yeah there was one my grandfather actually gave it to me and it was called perfect love imperfect relationships wow by john whitward i believe okay and the thing about it was understanding your own woundings yeah in in order to know where you're coming from. Because if you're reaching out to other people and you haven't really understood your own parents or your own childhood and you start repeating those patterns, then uh, you're just, you're just re yeah, repeating those patterns, <laughs> really. So I love that book because it really reminded me that anytime anyone does you wrong, they're probably still trying to do the best they know how or they can right. with whatever they've been given. So recognizing that and then looking at yourself and being like, okay, that's why I did that and now I can see that. And I'm going to take a little break or I'm going to come to the next relationship with a, I don't need you to complete the things that I'm missing. I'm going to love myself first and then once we're both happy and we're both loving ourselves, then what time we have that's free, we can be together and do things that are also healthy and supportive rather than I need you to do this so I feel better. Or I need you to, I'm expecting that um, you're going to always be honest with me or always do this or that when we really can't control what anyone else does. So even if you, you know, you think you have a great relationship now, that might not always be the case. So in order to kind of like not be attached, should I say. Right. One thing that happened to me that really made me understand what non-attachment was, was when I, I moved back and forth between here and Pennsylvania several times. So when my brother died, I moved to Pennsylvania. And then I was starting to feel good, moved back here and continued yoga therapy training, this and that. So anyway, when I was driving the whole U-Haul trailer, all my stuff, my brother's things that I had saved from him, everything was stolen. They just took the whole thing, gone. The police discovered an empty U-Haul trailer. So it was hard at first, but I, I'm in the middle of my yoga therapy training. So we're learning about non-attachment at that time. And, you know, I started to realize those things weren't my brother. That's not where he is. Those things aren't my happiness. So I really think that was one of the best things that also could have happened to me because now, okay, that broke. I'm not going to get upset about it. This thing broke. Or um, that was just a thing. And I don't want to buy things now either. 
I don't, it's like I don't need 10 purses or yeah. I don't need these things right. because they're just things. I used to save like a special outfit for a special occasion. Now, you know what? I'm going to wear that every day if I want to. I'm going to wear this fancy dress every day because who cares? <laughs> I had things that were stolen that I saved for years and never wore yeah. because I didn't have that right occasion. So, so just forget about that. Like nothing matters. You know, if somebody needs something, there's just give it to them. You know, <laughs> like be free with that. Like, oh, you know what? I can always get another one. And that's, I think, a thing about money, too. Like, you know, give money when you have it. I think they say, like, you know, if you have something, you should share it, right? Don't hoard it. Because what's the point to hold on to all this? You can't take it with you when you go. Yeah. And that's the same way we have to love. We can't pick the flower and hold on to it because it'll die. But you love the plant. You love it while it's growing in its own beautiful garden. So we can't, like... We see another person, and we're like, oh, I want, I want them. <laughs> I love them. Um, and then you want them to maybe, like, spend all their time with you. But it wasn't that that you loved. Like, you loved, you admired them in their power when they were happy doing their own thing. Right. The, your, uh, the, the rose <laughs> in its soil in that garden is what you love. Right. And then once you pull it from that, it ceases to become the thing that you had loved and, and desired. Yeah. yeah, so in order to, I think that's why that book helped me, like love something but but still be not attached to it. Like you could share your love yeah. for it in a different way. And I think th that's where the healthy relationships are. There's two people standing in their own power. Yeah. And when they come together, it's to create something beautiful together, not to just become absorbed with that person and then lose your friends and lose your, your hobbies. And it's like that. when you go to an art museum. Yeah. You can look, you can appreciate, you can admire, but don't touch it. Because <laughs> as soon as you get your, the, the oil and grease and, and hot dog stuff off your fingers onto that painting, now it's, it, be, it ceases to be the, the thing that you had loved and admired right. for so long. Mm -hmm. um, to close out, Stephanie, uh, I always feel like there's one person listening in who is on a cusp of com completing suicide. We know you're not a therapist, you're not a, a, a psychologist. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to that person? There's somebody, even if you think you're alone, there's somebody that still needs you. That your pain that you feel right now will pass. And if you think that killing yourself is going to solve any sort of problems, it's not. It's going to create more problems than it solves. And there's still there's a reason why you're still here right now, because you are still here right now. If you weren't supposed to be here, you wouldn't be here. I believe that things happen for a reason. So you're still here. There's still hope. So just hold on to that, and somebody loves you. You can look into somebody's eyes that you've never met before and just feel that connection. And that's love. That's we're all connected. So don't hurt yourself. Because if you hurt yourself, you're hurting everyone else because we're all one. Stephanie, thank you <laughs> so much for being on the podcast. For the listeners out there, remember this episode is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you reaching out, for you calling a friend. Call an enemy. Call customer service. Tell somebody your story. 
uh, yell from the rooftops, jump on a, do what you got to do, jump on a bed, take your shirt off, make some noise, stir up the world like Abraham Lincoln said, because your story is valuable, your life is valuable. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for rating it five stars on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for leaving comments. We love those. Follow us on Instagram. We're on Instagram. Before you kill yourself on Instagram. And uh, we have a Facebook page. Same thing, Before You Kill Yourself. I think the four on Facebook is the the number four. Uh, So check us out there. Um, And then uh, go to Thrive with Leo if you want one-on-one coaching. We will talk to you soon. We love you. Adios.